Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, History of the Thirty Years' War. Seeing as I don't have much to announce or anything like that, let's get started. So last week, we covered the ultimate defeat of Mansfield and Christian. Both of those came into the service of the Dutch afterwards, effectively taking them out of the war against the Habsburgs and into the war against the Habsburgs of Spain. They're still fighting Habsburgs, but different ones. Spain had actually hoped that the Dutch hiding Mansfield and Christian would get Tilly and Maximilian to assist in their fighting against the Republic, but Maximilian said no and kept his forces where they were. Tilly was also in no shape to keep fighting, especially against Mansfield, seeing as his men were exhausted and low on supplies. And Holtz, an imperial commander, had arrived in Westphalia, had, which actually prompted resistance from the town of Munster and the villages in that bishopric. The people feared Dutch reprisals for them getting involved, so they didn't allow the troops into the town of Munster. The troops, who were unpaid and undisciplined, began to roam the countryside, doing the usual looting, pillaging, that sort of thing, which caused people to flee into the marshes of the area, which created more refugees. Every time someone, an army comes through, usually bad things are happening. It's a pattern that will continue to happen. The damage to the Dutch was actually pretty immense. The damage was about six times the amount of actual taxes they made in a year. So basically, the Empire was supposed to deal with fixing the duchy six times more than it was worth in terms of actual taxes. Ferdinand of Cologne and Anholt then effectively seized down the duchy throughout 1623 because they considered their reaction a rebellious action. I mean, I can see where they're coming from, at least. Although, I do feel bad for the people, seeing that they were just trying to fend off and save themselves, and they then just got brutalized by more people. After Statlon, reinforcements of Tilly came to assist him, and by 1624, the rebellion was basically done, with all the towns having new Catholic councils and new charters imposed on them. Only Munster escaped that fate due to not sending supplies to Protestant troops. They still got looted and pillaged by troops, but they did not get their Protestant council removed. Mansfield was still technically a threat at the moment, but in East Frisia, he was hard to get to, so Tilly effectively dispersed his troops, hoping to starve him out. Now, Mansfield was in a position of defense, but he also couldn't break out easily, so both of them were just waiting to see who would starve out, effectively. Mansfield did run into problems with many men who were sent on either to raid or to forage would just desert and leave, so he was constantly having to deal with that issue. But for now, he was effectively a non-entity for the purposes of the rebellion. His momentum had been drained, and he was effectively just working for the Dutch and not against the Empire anymore. Christian, who found his way back to Mansfield with around 2,000 men, was then paid around 9,000 thalers, thalers to disband his remaining troops, which he did to get out of punishment and the like. So on the northern German front, they were done, like I mentioned last week, but at this point, both of them realized they were not going to go to war against Tilly or Maximilian or Ferdinand at this point. But interestingly enough, Bethlehem had actually reignited his fight against the Habsburgs. Bethlehem, if you remember, was the Hungarian king who got defeated fairly decisively by Ferdinand and had signed a peace agreement with him. He got a promise of 30,000 troops from the Ottomans if he agreed to become a tributary state, well, specifically Hungary and Bohemia. His campaign began in mid-August 1623 after having to delay for the harvest. Imperials were actually aware of this because the raiding from Hungary had intensified in this time period, giving them forewarning. Wallenstein took charge of the defense and gathered around 26,500 troops. Bethlehem actually temporarily delayed this campaign when he heard about the loss of Statlon, but despite this delay, he managed to trap the imperial forces at modern Hodonin and took around 15,000 locals as slaves. Uh, not a good move from the European look, or even from modern day, but that probably would have been as tolerated in Europe at that time period. It was actually bad enough that inside, Wallenstein's men were either on horses to survive, which showed that they were not prepared for a long siege in that town. 
Bethlehem, however, was not confident in his position. The Cossacks were containing his raiding, and the Silesian militia was keeping him from advancing northward, meaning he was trapped, still in a better position, relatively speaking, but trapped where he was. By November, Bethlehem had agreed to a truce, and by May 1624, a more formal peace was agreed on. He gave him generous terms, basically the terms from last time, and Ferdinand could afford to be more magnanimous, seeing as he was in a better position due to the paladins being defeated. Bethlehem's legitimacy, as in legitimacy to be king, had also been effectively shattered by this point, and the Dutch wouldn't help him, and the Sultan kept his neutrality like last time. So Ferdinand consolidated his hold on the Hungarian territory that he gained from the original deal, and through political pressure, named his son, who's also named Ferdinand, as the King of Hungary. Because remember, titles are important, and this asserts the royal authority over Hungary. Within Hungary, he allowed religious freedom, specifically the religious concessions of 1606, but it was effectively a sort of Damocles in that he was dominant in Hungary, and he could get rid of that at any time. So Parthians had to tread carefully. And with the loss of Bethlehem and the Paladins defeated, Ferdinand was finally free to basically exploit his victory over the Bohemian Revolt, which had started six years ago, or four years post the Battle of White Mountain. The overall final defeat of the Paladins comes down to they lacked political backing, they had unruly troops, they had hard times getting money and paying people. It was not a good situation for the Paladins, so... And with Tilly having an experienced army, and the fact that the Paladins had to deal with experienced commanders like Wallenstein and Tilly, it was kind of inevitable that there was going to be a slow drag-out war that would eventually cost the Paladins and the Protestant side of the war. At least for now. There are plenty of Protestant states still in Europe, and many of them that will keep jumping into this war, and as it keeps getting nastier. And since there was peace, Ferdinand could now begin to try to stabilize the Habsburg dynasty which had been a problem since Rudolph II. The Habsburgs, since Rudolph II, had always been on looser footing, and there had been civil revolts, the conflict between the brothers, that sort of thing. So Ferdinand wanted to stabilize the power and status of the Habsburgs within the sphere of the Holy Roman Empire and the general rest of Europe. I will be covering more detailed stuff in future episodes, seeing as this is the final part of what I've called the Habsburg Victory March. But I just want to give you guys an overview of Ferdinand's potential future plans and what he wanted to do. One thing Ferdinand had to do was act within his legal rights and not to overstretch his power. He didn't necessarily try to centralize his power, which was very difficult in the HRE, but he redistributed wealth and power to loyal vassals. Wealth meaning land and money and political prestige. By putting more political power into his vassals, he was effectively defanging all of his enemies, whether they were military or political. He only took the land of rebels and outlaws, as was his purview as the emperor, but he was willing to offer clemency to those at the cost of some of their land and other things they possessed if they did not possess land, and if they didn't accept his request, he would punish them as he saw fit. Effectively, if you gave a little bit of land and took a political hit, you could be pardoned. It was a very practical solution to solving this issue, seeing as just executing people would potentially create more instability and more vengeance. And another thing I didn't really specifically cover, but many lords or princes who fought with the paladins would abdicate their political position for their sons, meaning so their land would not be taken because their children are not guilty of rebellion, so therefore they couldn't be taken, which annoyed Ferdinand, but it was not his biggest worry because those children understood the cost if they resisted him. One thing I need to note is his power varied depending on where he was trying to exert it. Within Austria and Bohemia, those were Habsburg lands, so he had more leverage over your property, over life and death, so you have to be a lot more careful there than if you were another kingdom or duchy who were, he did not have the same power. 
you can only encourage them to do certain things or offer more political threats to them, but he couldn't just execute them. Many nobility wanted to protect their land and titles, and if that meant abdication or some sort of other punishment, they would take it over execution. So this actually was an interesting picture, at least for me, because initially Ferdinand was portrayed in how I read him, was a, like a, I say, I'm say an arch-conservative, but he was very much a hardcore Catholic. He didn't want to negotiate with the Protestants. But seeing as it's been six years, he's been, he probably was seriously affected by the war enough that he was willing to compromise if it meant the stability of the realm in the long term over, mostly against short-term gains for executing taking lands. Again, this was, I'm not painting the guy as a saint or some sort of necessarily the best person, but he was thinking pragmatically in terms of how he dealt with these people. Taking away some of their lands and such still kept them within the sphere of the HRE and in the reach of him, but they were more defanged and had less political power. He could definitely have been worse. He could have been executing people left and right. But perhaps he was willing to be more practical and fair is the wrong word to use, but more seemingly just. And he also did allow religious freedom for the Protestants in most of the lands, less so in Austria and Bohemia. It did come at the caveat of that sort of Damocles hanging above them. He can come down at any time. But he technically allowed many of the places to maintain their religious freedom, especially places like Saxony and other principalities of the HRE. I want to thank you for listening in, and I hope you're enjoying it. We finally reached the end of this campaign against the Paladins, and next week we're going to get into more detail about how Ferdinand attempted to stabilize the Empire and the Dynasty and other parts of how that was done. The social media links will be in the description or in the links themselves. You can email me at 3decot at gmail.com. Send me a contact form from the website. Mind I have a Patreon if you wish to subscribe and support me. And see you guys next time.